What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 38 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what a great weekend of racing and all, all things sports coming up this weekend for sure. Not only are we going to be covering a little bit something new for us, we're going to be covering Thursday racing. For all you know, that Kentucky Downs does not have racing this Friday or last Friday for that matter, but we'll be covering Thursday's card as the flagship show tomorrow, which is at a new special time, which I'll talk about in a second, is going to cover Saturday at Kentucky Downs for their flagship day with six million dollar races. But guys, welcome in. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. I saw there's a bunch of people waiting in, waiting in the wings there, waiting for us to go live. So I really, really do appreciate it. But we're gonna go th- pretty quick through the peripherals as not only as we are we going to be talking about Kentucky Downs and their late pick five on Thursday. We're also going to be covering NFL week one and everything that include that is included in the with the fanfare and everything. Obviously the first game is tomorrow night, which then leads into my next point, which is tomorrow the flagship show with Howard Pete and Paul covering Kentucky Downs on Saturday. Their late pick five all stakes all over one million dollars might i add i'm sure they'll cover the sixth uh stake as well as they usually do um six million dollar plus races will be covered at kentucky downs on saturday on this podcast channel tomorrow night at a new time of 7 15 eastern i believe so howard can howard um can relay that in the chat and um in a second here but I believe the new time is 7.15 p.m. Eastern time to kind of balance out with the um, football schedule coming up here in the fall and winter. But guys, if you're new here and you aren't subscribed yet, please go down below the video player and hit subscribe. And while you're down there, smash that like button. As our very astute viewer, Stephen Vanderbrook says, good evening and smash that like button. Greatly appreciate it. So Howard just uh, texted me now. He says 7.15 tomorrow just because of the earlier start time for Thursday night football but it'll be 7:30 eastern time going forward so they will be moving it up 45 minutes to 7:15 tomorrow but then every single week after that will be at 7:30 eastern time howard thanks for letting me know but like I like I was continuing um down below hit the like button hit the subscribe button we would greatly greatly appreciate it i only see 13 likes we got more people than that in here please hit that like button but um if you're more of an audio listener, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor is not where we, not only where we post every single episode of Betting and Boozing to all those audio platforms, but every single episode that goes up on the HHH Racing Podcast channel, you will find it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. But sadly, the Saratoga Power Picks are no more as Saratoga has gone away for the winter, but the Power Picks still go strong every single week. You get two tracks every single weekend. For $15.99 a month, it comes out to $4 a weekend. That's only $4 for two full tracks of spot plays, full card ABC grids, price plays, everything you need to be a successful better on the weekends, mainly on Saturday. Go to patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. You do, you, if you aren't subscribed already, you are definitely missing out. Again, patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast and then if you want to see anything about us or any um earlier editions of the power picks if you're not so if you're not sure yet about which i'm not sure why you are but if you're not sure about buying please go to hhhracingpodcast.com to see those but guys we're gonna bring on one of my co-hosts sadly patrick got stuck at work so unfortunately he will not be here for tonight's show but i still do have the nfl guru himself (laughs) 
to talk about everything NFL and, of course, everything with Kentucky Downs this Thursday with from Ohio State University, Charlie Freeman. And we have a guy waiting in the wings here who's going to have a little bit of explaining to do. As you know, the boss man came on Wednesday night, Charlie, and he said that he has a pick of the, the pick of the year, pick of the meat, everything. But there, there are a few excuses for him, but I'm going to bring him on and let him talk about it. We don't have to you know, wait any longer. The boss man himself, Howard Kravitz. Howard, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be boozing all right, I'll tell you that, after whatever. He's going to be boozing with us, I'll tell you that much. Boozing and not losing, right? Oh, oh boy. Good evening, guys. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing I um, will be on for a very short amount of time. I want to come on here and eat some crow because I said I would. Uh, Churchtown last Saturday, one of my best picks of the year, was awful, horrendous, brutal. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, listen, guys, when you, when you make a lot of picks and you go public and you have enough guts just to go for it, sometimes you're going to be wrong. Um, I was completely wrong, like way wrong. However, I do want to say one other thing. It's not like he ran a flat fourth or just was, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. The winner got a 95 buyer, uh, guys. Uh, Annapolis, excuse me, uh, Annapolis didn't win. We'll talk about that in a second. Churchtown didn't get a 93 buyer. He didn't get a 85 buyer. Keep keep going down. Not a 60, not a 30. He got a two. (laughs) <laughs> got a two buyer guys honestly something obviously went wrong okay I, I think the horse is okay i haven't heard anything he was wide the whole way julian never could get him covered up he was indecisive i don't blame julian leperu for this though he was just awful and it was a bad pick and i gotta come on the show and call it like it is i do want to say one thing guys though and i think probably the most important takeaway of all this is trying to beat a heavy favorite. I mean, that's really the big take out of this, not because that's what I want the take to be, but I think a bigger story really is not that Churchtown finished last. I mean, it's a story for me, guys, because he was awful and that was my top pick. But as we go ahead and show, if you want to go ahead and show the uh, – yep. you, you do, you should, but I'll bring it up right now. Okay. So if you guys – here, here's the – you know, here here's the final result and, and – Hats off to you, Kyle, who you liked ancient Rome a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. got 95, and Charlie, you said how bad this field was for a $2 million race. And, yeah. And then, of course, there's my boy down there. Should we look? Should we take a look <laughs> at his PPs there a second? I mean, okay, obviously something went wrong. I mean, clearly, right? So I, I don't know what happened. But here's the thing, guys. I went on and on about Annapolis, too, to, to be fair to me, right? And yeah. I didn't like Annapolis, and Charlie said Annapolis should trounce his field, and, you know, Charlie's a very sharp guy, and he's right a lot of the times. But I didn't have a good feeling. Annapolis guys regressed to an 87. Now, he did have a little bit of trouble in the stretch, but there was a hole that was there, and he just never got through, guys. And we're mm-hmm. not we're not going to go in depth in this race. But the bottom line is Annapolis finished fifth and regressed to an 87 like I thought he would. I just had the wrong, <laughs> I just had the wrong horse, yeah. you know, to beat him. So, listen. Uh, congratulations, anyone in ancient Rome out there. It was a it was a bad two million dollar race, uh, and Church Town was awful. If he's healthy and runs back again, I might pick him. That's just the way horse racing goes, guys. And sometimes you got to take some chances. But most importantly, 
you have to find bad favorites. There's a horse called Wit who ran Monday at Saratoga, who was seven to five coming back for Pletcher, was awful. Awful. Yep. I didn't like him at all. The workouts were ah, eh, and he was a big favorite. So anyone, for everyone out there, whether you're young or old, experienced or not experienced, expert, novice, try to beat favorites or try to find ways to beat favorites if there are ways out there. And Annapolis was absolutely a horse to go against. Churchtown just was was awful, and, and uh, I was wrong. There we go. Feel free to make fun of me, everyone. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> he was right, but he was wrong, but the philosophy is there. So, Howard, it takes a lot. You know, obviously it's your podcast, but it still takes a lot to get on camera and admit when you're wrong. So, oh. um, but look, you know, like I said, you had the right philosophy trying to beat Annapolis. Just, you know, like you said, ended up doing it with the right horse. And a horse doesn't necessarily go from three straight 90s to a two for no reason whatsoever. So, you know, something went wrong or whatever happened, but. You know, like you said, the philosophy is there. But Howard, like I said, I appreciate you coming on and um, and you know, eating your words a little bit. That's always a fun time. I, I just want to clarify: tomorrow night's show is seven fifteen Eastern okay. starting time. The reason why, guys, is we have the one and only Matt Bernier from yep. FanDuel and NBC Sports, and he's actually on air, so we want to accommodate him, of course, because he's working a long day on air. So we're running seven fifteen tomorrow. It's gonna be a great show all the big stakes for Saturday Kentucky Downs. And then after that, on following Thursdays, we will start half an hour earlier to try to get out a little before the, or, you know, at the beginning of the NFL starting games at 8.20 on Thursday night. So 7.15 around night, 7.30 after that. Appreciate all your support. Thanks for uh, watching. I'll let you guys go. Have a great show, guys. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. Have Thank a good you. night, man. Hey, nothing from Charlie at all? Charlie, I don't want to <laughs> see anything. <laughs> No, no, I got a, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about on the show. I'm saving my voice, saving my thoughts for when All we right. get on. Trust me, we got sports coming late. There's some strong opinions coming. Smart man. Thanks, Kyle. Take care, Love Charlie. You. See you guys. See you, Howard. But uh, again, oh, you brought himself on. <laughs> No, it's all good. But again, Howard, you know, eating his words a little bit. So it takes some it takes some balls to come back on and do it. So the one again, the one benefit I will say to give him credit is my God, I learned the hard way. Kentucky Downs is yep. just such a difficult track I mean, to There you go. There, there's nothing like Will it, Craig, thanks so much like, for doing the show, all man. All I'll say anybody, watch any replay you want. Doesn't matter what the race is, just watch any race at Kentucky Downs if you've never seen a race there before. Like that was the first Kentucky Downs card I ever fully watched. And every race I still got like surprised like oh my god what is happening and the way with the cameras and the technology it was a very chaotic day a lot of stuff was just going crazy i mean absolutely it was but you know that's the downs for it's kentucky downs uh it's just it has it has a magical thing in a lot of people's hearts for the right and the wrong reasons but guys i'm gonna go over there's so many people here thank you guys so much for joining the show Greatly appreciate it. Ralph Conti is here and he had Nutella fella. Now that's a good pick, Ralph. If you, if you like that horse, you definitely cash big. Congrats to you, Ralph. And thanks so much for joining the show. Richard Avalar is here. Mr. Carl Spackler spanked him again. Absolutely. Richard, thanks so much for doing the show as I am a big Carl Spackler fan. And necessarily that wasn't necessarily the hardest to field by any means, but Michael Lawson is here. Thanks so much for joining the show. Marco Lou is here. Rodney Evans is here. And I completely agree with you, man. Trying to find a small track, and it's hard. Ever since Arlington, obviously Arlington was the track that we were, um, that we were all in tune with, and that's gone away. But I always find it so much easier to try and play one track and just really focus on what's going on. What you know, if there's biases forming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I completely get it, Rodney. Thanks so much for joining the show. Richard Avalar says, "Who's your team? The Bears." 
course it's the Bears, but I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't the Cubbies, that's for sure. I'm a White Sox man through and through. Robin is here getting the Miller Lite cold. I showed it on the camera earlier. Absolutely, we're getting the Miller Lite cold. Rob, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, the Six did win, Michael. And then uh, Charles B is here. Thanks so much for joining the show, man, and everybody else that is here. Penn State, Scott, more worried about his Ohio State team as they look like crap. But we'll go. No, the whole, hold on, hold on. The whole Big Ten looked terrible. Michigan won 30 to 3 against East Carolina, and I don't want to hear Dude, it. Fucking... Wisconsin struggled against Buffalo. Penn State well, needed a miracle cover against West Virginia. And Ohio State's defense looked great against the worst Indiana offense I've ever seen. And Kyle McCord is an awful quarterback, and I hate him. And I think Notre Dame's going to beat us by 50. But I digress. The ACC uh... looks great. We'll get, to, we'll get to sports later. The whole Big Ten is in shambles. They all look terrible. USC is going to lose, and I can't wait for that to happen. But let's just let's get to the worst. Michigan was. Michigan was out on a jog, bro. They didn't have to, what do they have to do? Oh my god. Come on. I, don't, I don't I don't want JJ McCarthy that. threw for 80%, two three, two or three touchdowns. Against two, two Easy stars, game, one star walk on. Out for a jog, bro. He's out for a jog. All right, we're getting to the horse racing, guys. Yeah, let's get to the Again, horse thanks race. so much for joining the show, everybody. Greatly appreciate it. But the late pick five on Thursday, Kentucky Downs starts in race number six. It is an allowance raise, 180000 going six and a half furlongs on the turf. As always, draws a full field of 12 as I bring it on the screen right now. The morning line favorite is the number three, Poria Comet for Joe Talamo and Paulo Lobo. Second choice is Gallon of Rush for Clement. And the third choice is the Illinois bread or Irv, I believe is how you say that <laughs> name. It's a good one. I know Charlie's going to make me pronounce it every time, but I you believe it is Irv for Chris Block. And Jareth Loveberry, both Arlington legends, as we say. But Charlie, as I bring up the picks right now, you are going with the Arlington legends and the Illinois bred. Yes, I am. in this spot. Yeah, got to stay low to my roots. You know, I remember, I think it was actually you in particular. We covered this horse before. I think maybe was this uh, when the horse ran against Caravel, or maybe it was, I know for a fact, I think that was what it was. I know there was a race that we covered with this horse because I believe it was you who was on this horse. One of us, it wasn't me, was on this horse. But I remembered saying that, this was a horse that I did acknowledge to you guys that care, could give Caravel trouble. And honestly, to an extent did, I mean, only lost by three lengths, then came back after that figure, you know, one, but at a cold pace to take advantage of, and then comes back and freaks with a nine, it relatively, I guess with a 98, which is, you know, career best. And now picks up Jareth Loveberry again, who's been on this horse plenty of times with, uh, you know, great success is working very forwardly with a 48 and three. And, you know, honestly, I just feel like this horse could get away. I feel like the other speed in this race, the horses aren't that talented. I mean, you see there's a Wesley Ward in this horse that race that I have nowhere that should tell you at home. Uh, those watching how I think about that horse, because I pretty much have a Wesley Ward horse somewhere in my top three every time the horse is there. Yep. And then the other contenders for me. Well, I just here, feel like Charlie, real quick. Don't mean to cut you off right now, but no, Paul Halloran put out to – um, put it out right now. There are a lot, and obviously Kentucky Downs is very oh good about putting out their early scratches. And here you go. One, two, three, six, ten, eleven. So oh obviously our th my three is out. The six that all of us liked is out. So we are, and Hottie's out, man. We are out there right now. Okay. Oh, wait, honest, oh so this four is going to be a please, master favorite. Yep, but please go ahead and finish your... Uh, right, well, I mean, well, that kind of that kind of killed the point that I was going to make, but it was basically just going to be the fact that I think the three is in a really weird position, and I was curious what you were going to say, because I don't like the three at all. I think the figures are great, and I think the horse will come top three. I just don't think the three quite is the speed of the four and doesn't really show strong enough closing ability, and I kind of thought the six would come in underneath and finish strong, but doesn't have enough 
enough early speed to get there quite in time, and the figures yep, kind of indicate that. I, yep. Which is what uh, I thought so too. I kind of thought this race would set up perfectly for the four, and you would get a decent price because people would bet other horses. But now I think you're going to get the four at two to one or lower because the other two main contenders are gone. Yeah, I mean, this just turns this whole race turns on its head now. There's no also eligibles in this race. So this field of 12 now turns into a field of what six, right? Because there's six scratches. Yeah, that is rough. Paul ha Paul says the three is entered on Saturday, which I'm assuming will run for more money, which is why the three is choosing off. But Paul, thanks again for bringing that up because now I have them to my left that will go after um, as race number uh, as race number eight also has a lot of scratches, but we'll go over Who that you, um, as we get into it. I would have to go with Irv as my top pick. Um, that's who I obviously had second and had who I thought had a very good chance to win. But now it kind of just comes down to who else is going to be, you know, I got coming in. Then I'll go with this as well. I will go. Let's see. Sorry, guys. We're kind of doing this on the fly here yeah. just because we didn't know that this was okay. going to happen. But I'll go. Yeah, this is that. tough. But I'm going to go 4 8 11, I guess, in this spot. Irv just right, makes I'm the most sense. Um, he, she's got really good tactical speed, which is something that I really like to have at Kentucky Downs. And being that there's only six horses in this race, being tactical is going to be the utmost nece necessity. There's not too many horses now in this race who want to send out for the lead. So the Correct. five is in the spot has really the no one will. Speed. I mean, the one's going to send because the, the one's, one's out too. Lord. The one's oh, out oh, too. Is it? Oh no. Okay. Well, I, I'll go for. <laughs> oh wait. Any wait. Wait. Yeah. It's Paulson one, two, three, six, ten, eleven. Yeah, and you have the, oh, 11 the 11's out. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, I know, 10 is what I meant. I meant the 10. I meant the 10. You, no, the 10's out, too. And if it makes you feel any better, I was about to tell you to put the 10 and the 11 as my next two, and they're oh, out, This too. is over. Okay. So. Okay, I'm just going to keep this simple. All the horses <laughs> that were good besides the four are out. All the second-tier contenders that I would have replaced the four are out. So the four is going to win this race. Oh, I'm not going to pull a boss man and make it a play of the year because I feel like that would be really soft of me to do that now that all the contenders are out. So basically, <laughs> folks, you're going to have the four who's now going to probably go off at, like, even money at best now that i know that all the minor contenders oh, are out. you basically have the four running against a bunch of 20 to 1 horses so you're just gonna have to figure out which of those 20 to ones is going to come in underneath to pay out to make some money since the four is going to go off at one to one this is so insane i'm like i said guys i apologize because this just happened completely on the fly hey what do you mean less boozing we gotta this is a completely turned <laughs> no, on after this, Paul. Yeah, i was gonna say but there might need to be more after that yeah oh, no is... kidding at this point oh, but so going through i think I Irv, really the technical speed definitely sits yeah, the best trip i'm gonna go, the eight super munnings has shown that especially last two at ellis park at five and a half has the ability to close has gone seven before has won at seven at woodbine and we all know about Woodbine. They also have a very kind of weird layout for their track. So I think coming over and getting a little bit extra ground doesn't is not going to hurt uh, this mare too much. Being out of Elon Wilkes and Declan Cannon, who's when he gets on, you know, bigger price horses, obviously it won't be in this spot anymore. But you always got to respect when Declan Cannon gets on. But and then the other horse I thought was interesting going through it really quickly, might I add was the number five new boss for Brett Calhoun and Ray Lou Gutierrez. That those last two races at Churchill and Ellis going five and a half um, was able to close pretty and only lost to a neck to super Munnings. Obviously it was two and three quarters back to Caravel at uh, Churchill on Derby day, but this horse has gone longer. Hasn't shown to be proficient too much at long distances, but 
when it comes down to it, there's not too many horses that are going to be willing. There's not too many good horses, really, that are left in this <laughs> race. You know, I'll throw the nine alone. in. I'll put the nine underneath. The so, nine only yeah, is a dirt Yeah, that's horse. the other one. Here's my thought process. The reason I'm just going to throw the nine in, yes, it's because all the other contenders and then second-tier contenders, like, you know, if you do your ABC grids, all my two other A's are out, and now the B's that I was mm-hmm. going to throw in in 10 and 11 are out. So now we're looking to the C's. And my thought process with well, putting the nine underneath yeah. the four is this horse is clearly the best of the rest for who's left. It's just the problem is this horse runs on the dirt, not the turf. So I'm just going to bank on that this horse moving over to the turf won't regress enough to be as bad as the 20 to one horses. That's my thought process. And I also like that this horse likes to be a stalker, which helps when my top pick is a speed horse. So yep. we'll go four, nine, and then whoever else makes it to the gate, whoever else actually so, gets. Confused. And of course, when you guys, when you, uh, you guys know, I post everything um, on Twitter. So if you guys want my final picks, when I go back through this race, um, at AP Roscoe K is where you can find me on Twitter and everything will be posted tomorrow on Twitter. So be a lookout for that. The other horse that's in the race that's a little interesting, Steven Vanderbrook brings um, brings her up of a pretty heavily raced three-year-old. Was raced at two from Asmussen, won pretty convincingly on the dirt and just never could get up into that stakes company. Puts her, puts her on turf. In the limestone, which is a very tough spot. Obviously, love rains, Lady Hollywood, my sweet affair. Comes back to Indiana, wins at five furlongs. You just don't know if, the, if she's going to be ready to stretch out. But last year, I mean, look, she went six and a half for Kentucky Downs and only lost to a nose to American Apple, who's also a very nice horse in her own right, who's been racing in grade three company and obviously won the matron last at Belmont slash Aqueduct. But um, that's one horse to keep in mind as well as she has gone this distance before at Kentucky Downs has run very well and obviously has improved since then. Sorry guys again for that kind of really hard turn into this. Um, <laughs> that we are going, um, I'm going to go four, eight, five, but I also think the 12 is interesting. I'll go four, nine, eight. Went four, nine, eight is what he is going to go again. Once again, apologies for the quick knows. turnaround, but that was thrown on our heads at the last second. But are there any other switch- races we're covering that are getting like Yeah, we'll go through it. Scratches? I'll go through it okay. as we go on. Okay. But race number 7 is the next race we are going to talk about. It's a maiden special weight, $150,000 going a mile and 5/16 on the turf and at Kentucky Downs that is a very far very long distance. Draws a full field of 12 again, two also eligibles. The horses that are scratched in this race early is the number eight abbreviation, 30 to one for Bejarano and the both also eligibles King secret, who I thought was interesting if uh, she got in and then libretto for Rosario and maker. And I'm going to bring up the picks right now for race number seven. And Charlie, we actually have the same pick on top going with the number four lady Claypool, who is the morning line favorite for Irad and Mike maker. Yeah, I mean, you know, going to be a common trend as people see throughout this card. The number four, you know, just tends <laughs> yeah. to be the right horse in a lot of these races. Almost went five for five for me, then quite. Uh, to be honest, this is the one actually I probably one of my stronger plays of the sequence. And honestly, I don't even know as you know, I know this isn't exactly what the viewers want to hear. If it's that Lady Claypool is like just some unbelievable horse. I think it's more so just so one of those races where if you just look at the the horses around, no horse is really anywhere near Lady Claypool's level. A lot of them just haven't run that well. A lot of them tend to fade. You know, this is a big race stretching out to a mile and five sixteens for all these horses. But on top of that, we also have to consider the fact that, you know, with the way Kentucky Downs is, you know, shaped, you've talked about this before, that whatever the distance is, it really for these horses tends to feel even longer than that. 
Uh, and so, you know, Lady Kip yep. Claypool, I, I, I like the experience overseas. I like the fact that the horse has run a mile and a fourth uh, and a mile and an eighth, which is more than any other horse in this field has been able to do. And actually, you know, ran respectable, you know, uh, positioning in that and ran a decent 73 for the first time on the U.S. I think we'll take a step forward. Love maker with Irad. The horse is working absolute bullets for, especially for a horse that's more for distance with a 37 and four and 48 and four. Again, picks up Irad. I really just think this gets the Lasix and blinkers on. I think Lady Claypool has no excuses not to win this race. There's, there's two things. This is a tough race. Don't get me wrong, but there's two things that I really like about Lady Claypool. Last time out, first time over in the States, uh, for Maker, who's not necessarily the best with foreign shippers, runs very well, runs a 73 buyer, which is very comparable to other horses in this field, has been working at Saratoga. So she has had she's had multiple spots where this horse can go. Maker chooses to wait, goes to Kentucky Downs, possibly banking on the British form that this horse has, but puts the blinkers on going a little bit longer, which I think will suit that will suit. Her, if you watch that last replay, which unfortunately we can't show it since it was at Colonial, she was very willing to come up. Um, she cut the corner very well, as it says in the notes right there, and closed willingly. I'm very interested that this horse is going a little bit longer with the blinkers on, hopefully to get a little bit more, um, a little bit more into the race, and hopefully to have a little bit more of a closing kick. I really like Claypool, Lady Claypool, not Chase Claypool, Lady Claypool, at a morning line. Hopefully of what we get of three to one, and hopefully she doesn't take too many too much irad money but of course there's not too much not too many races underneath you can see rotaballo who was a very nice um miler and kind of seven furlong type horse so not really meant for distance but i mean winning stakes in um in the uae and stuff like that not uae and um france and all those to in spain so that was, a, she was a very nice horse in her, or he was a very nice horse that strike one for me today. He was a very nice horse in his own right. So looking for Lady Claypool to improve second off coming to the States. Charlie, you have the number five English in second, who I actually don't have anywhere. I didn't think this horse was going to be seven to two, but very interesting coming off a layoff and off a trainer switch to Jonathan Thomas. Yeah, I mean, obviously losing Chad Brown as a trainer, you know, some things people might get excited, like get concerned about some. Well, I was a little surprised enough the horse just because, I don't know, again, from a figure's perspective, in a race where most horses haven't really shown any sort of interest or ability, and a lot of them, you know, tend to kind of suggest that the distance won't be a good thing for them. I think this is a great thing for English. You know, for me, this was the only other horse I really saw that I was like, okay, you know what, maybe this one could, you know, do some damage and potentially upset the four. I mean, I don't see it happening. I think the four will probably go off at like eight to five-ish and we'll end up winning convincingly. But I think English is the one that stands out. You know, the horse is lightly raced only two times coming off a decent layoff from mid-April and showed some good interest. You know, did not got, – got bumped as it noticed – or shows in the notes, uh, but then had that strong late game, was kind of just out of it for a while. Uh, and then, I mean, we don't need to show the replay, but it was kind of just out of the race and then showed great interest with a late gain. And I just think, you know, I think distance will only help this horse. I think if the horse can, you know, sit that same kind of trip, maybe a little bit closer and then go by, I think the main thing will just come down to, which is what worried me, is I think English will be right around in the field where Lady Claypool is. And I think Lady Claypool is a stronger kick. But yeah. if English gets the jump, I think English, who I think also you'll get every bit of that seven to two, could surprise at at least a more value price. Yeah, no, and that's absolutely just coming off the trainer switch from Chad Brown running at Tampa. Now to Jonathan Thomas off a longer layoff hasn't really been working extremely well, but the numbers are very comparable for a lightly raced three-year-old. Uh, Jonathan Thomas is five for 31 off the trainer switch in the last five years. So that's about 18%, which is not bad at all. So 
English could definitely be live. This is one to look at the board for me to see whether English is taking that seven to two money off the layoff or she is going to be a little bit or floating a little bit at the price. I went with the number two, Sri Lanka in second, Brendan Walsh, Tyler Gaffleone. In my opinion, the the dynamic duo when it comes to Kentucky racing, let alone Kentucky Downs itself. You can see uh, these last two. Uh, these last two at Churchill and then the last one at Ellis going a mile and eighth goes a mile and a quarter takes the lead in an off the turf race and actually doesn't necessarily get the uh, get the win, but ran very well a mile and a quarter off the turf now comes back onto the turf should show a little bit um, not more speed. I think she kind of just inherited the lead. I don't know necessarily think she wants the lead. I think she's going to sit toward a sort of mid pack. And if she can get covered up and get a nice lane at the top of the stretch, I really am interested in Sri Lanka, at least underneath in my horizontals, barring that you don't get less than nine to two or five to one. But Charlie, you went with the number seven in third Boltoro for Mark Cassie and Bashizzle, my nizzle, whose only win at the meet is still with part of the Copper Missile fan club. But Boltoro is very interesting underneath, at least. Yeah, and I also thought it was interesting because I thought this was a little more of, you know, like a long shot, but just trying to play in the fact that it's a Mark Cassie horse. And Patrick has this horse second, you know, wish he could have, you know, been here to explain it. But I'll kind of give my angle was, again, just another closer where the figures certainly fit. I mean, the 0 for 9 is concerning. But at the very least, I mean, the horse is still winning the money six out of nine times. So it's not like the horse is doing poorly. The horse loves being in and around there. has plenty of experience with the jockey. Um, and I just ultimately believe that Bull Toro, uh, you know, will pro- again, could just get the first jump on the four and the five. Uh, I don't, I don't, and you know, according to the figures, at least has a stronger kick. Uh, my concern ultimately was this horse is again, just seems to like to finish second or third and not get the job done, but Hey, at 10 to one, you put Bull Toro under the four or whoever, whatever horse, anybody in the chat feels strong is going to win this race. And you're getting a lot of value at 10 to one underneath. And I think you'll get, I think cause it's Mark Cassie. I don't think you're getting 10 to one in this field, probably be closer to seven or eight to one, but still plenty of value in the underneath. Uh, and real quick on the two, cause you know, I love Tyler G and I was thinking about yep. it. My only concern is the horse for me personally, it's just becoming too much of a money burner. I mean, you look, the horse was $2 and 30 cents, two ninety one. I think the reason the horse inherited the lead, I mean, the horse was 54 cents. I think the horse inherited the lead simply because the competition was so weak and she still couldn't get the job done. So for me, that's just one. I don't think because a lot of people in the chat are pointing out how good Tyler is here with Brandon Walsh, that the horse will certainly in my eyes, at least get that down to probably like four to one. I don't want to touch the horse. I mean, look, I get it. This horse has been favorited twice or shown favoritism twice and was three to one. Another time, just a lot, just three seconds and a fourth losing by two lengths. You kind of, you're, this is where you kind of start to question whether this horse has a nose for the wire, but I think if any time this would be the time at Kentucky Downs where Tyler rides really well, I'm thinking it could be for Sri Lanka. If not, I think he strike two. She is a must use underneath for me. We're already at two, dude. I'm gonna run out of beer at this point, but um, I want the number nine, Dixie Supreme in third for Connor Murphy, Flavian Pratt. This is just one of those horses for me. He she does look slow on paper, but with a little bit of added distance, I think if the pace does fall apart. I think Dixie Supreme could be one to pick up the pieces late. I think she has a, a decent closing kick as compared to her um, early foot. So she's going to be towards the back of the field early. Flavian, if there's one guy that knows how to navigate a turf face, it's definitely, I would definitely have my trust in Flavian Pratt, but she's just going to have to need a little bit of pace ahead of her. And I'm sure with this type of field, 
she will get it. I'm going four two nine. Charlie's going four five seven. And one thing I want to touch on before we move on: Noah Ma- Noah Maher is in the chat. Thanks so much, Noah, for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate this. It must include three on all your horizontals. I was taking a look at the three for a while. Blame the stars for Gerardo Corrales and Joe Sharp coming off a switch from Shannon Ritter to Joe Sharp. I could only assume is an upgrade. Although Joe, in the last five years, is only nine for ninety-two um off the trainer switch so less than 10 percent, which is of, of course not ideal but second off the um second second time out out of a galileo mare could definitely uh, relish in the extended distance and if this race were to fall apart this would be another one for me to pick up the pieces blame the stars is definitely interesting as well this race is just really hard to be honest with you and the fact that we, yeah, we're pretty similar in a lot of our picks is you know, it's obviously we're either going to be really right or we're going to be really <laughs> wrong. But with Kentucky Downs, you never know. We're going to find well, That's true. It's good value. I don't know. I just think kind of what you were saying. I think the horse might just need a race. You know, like it's not like the horse coming off some crazy layoff, but I just don't think this is the spot the horse wins. But absolutely, again, as I've been saying with the seven and other horses, if you feel as strong about the four as Kyle and I do, and you, again, since I think the horse will be bet down, there's a lot of great, because this is a tough race, a lot of great prices you could find to put underneath to make some good money. No, absolutely. I'm laughing at Mike Lawson's uh, uh, take in the chat. That's I love that. That's funny. But again, I'm going four two nine. Charlie's going four five seven. And Patrick, who I didn't mention last time, because for some reason I forgot he well, was. The whole, it's no, it's because the whole field scratch. So that's well, why that's we true. Yeah, it. Patrick's going four seven two. Switching over to race number eight, which is the middle leg of the late pick five, is allowance optional claiming sixty two five purse one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Going seven furlongs, of course, on the turf course. There's no dirt course, obviously. And the the big scratches out of this race, the number three, Peruvian Lucky, the number six, Zatip, the number seven, Santos Dumont, the number 12, American Mayhem, and then the, uh, the also eligibles, 13, 16, the number 14, and 15 run. And the number 14 is the one you really need to take a look at for your picks but we'll move into it right here um and obviously again this is the first time we're seeing these scratches so i'll leave it up to you charlie if you want to make any choices but we actually have the same um and this one's not a ticker apparently so hold on i'm making it yeah, right so now. somehow all our horses made it out unscathed but the problem yep. is now that all these also entries are coming in well like there's you. there's one that i would definitely need to include yeah, but you're going with the number oh, four on top which is fair dinkum who had a very big performance last time out yeah you know ran an incredible race i I will say i do think the only knock i guess i would have real quick to address on the 14 and look i I get it i rad michael maker the horse and Kyle. the one worry i have is i know it runs longer here but this horse i think really likes being at a mile or a mile and a 16th and we're talking about a deep closer, and now we're going to seven furlongs. That's why I really like the four horse so much, is that for me, the main contenders in this field like to sit back a little more, whether it's as a stalker or as a closer, whereas the four is going to be at the front of the stalkers. And I think Fair Dinkum's just going to get the absolute, I mean, as long as he doesn't get Joel Rosario, I think we'll get the perfect trip and took a, you know, freaked off the layoff and ran an incredible figure, which is ridiculous off that big of a layoff to take that big of a step forward. It was incredible for Joe Sharp. Credit to him for having this horse ready. Yeah, I just think the distance is a huge benefit for the four. I think the four, again, this is one of those where the horse is just going to get the best trip, in my opinion. I think out of all the contenders is going to be by far the furthest up to get the right, you know, jump on the rest of the field. 
Um, so, yeah, that's why I think the four is going to win this race, even with the entries. I, I think I'd have to include the four team, though, somewhere. Uh, but I'm you, curious to see what you think of the four as well. No, you would have to. And I had the four originally in third, but with the 14 getting in, unfortunately, it just knocks it down a step. This is just one of those horses that ran really well on the yielding track against the horse who I actually have on top buoys. But this is just one that I need to see again. I do like the tactical speed that he did show last time out at Saratoga, of course, but um, after that 88 buyer coming off that long of a layoff, which could be very telling, but I'm willing to take a shot against with horses who I think are even a little bit better, even though I do think the four, I'd have to respect that last race from the four. I went with the number 10 buoys on top who you have in second, Charlie. So I'll, t- I'll talk about mine and I'll leave it to you. But that last time out at Saratoga, o- um, O'Sheen Murphy Road, just very good run. I wouldn't say a perfect trip by any means, but was very, very interesting coming up and just couldn't reach Fair Dinkum, who, of course, had the jump on buoys. But he's a very deep closer. Uh, Brennan Walsh, Gaffleone again. But I think this horse could be better with firmer ground as well. And it coming onto a track that's seven furlongs, but again, plays more like a mile, mile and a 16th. The distance doesn't worry me at all. I love the outside post. Blinkers on again, of course, or blinkers on for this one, which I think could keep him in the fight longer down the stretch. I really am interested in buoys to win this race, and you'll see later how strong I do feel on buoys. But, um, Charlie, you have this horse in a second. Feel free to touch on anything that I didn't have. Yeah, no, you basically just covered it, so I'll talk on a different horse. The one thing I want to say is I would update my picks to 4-14-8. However, since... Patrick is the eight on top, which I think is bold, and I love it, and I still like the horse. Since I don't think there's much to talk about the 14, I I do want to talk about the eight. Uh, but yeah, yep. so my updated picks for everybody listening and watching would be 4, 14, 10 with the new updated field. However, I still feel very strong about this eight. I love the value. Uh, Edgar Zayas with Joe Seffi Jr., these guys tend to work a lot together at Gulfstream, now working together here at Kentucky Downs. You know, the horse, again, just kind of, I think, will sit a very similar trip to the four. And that's why I think the eight is so interesting for a price is I do think like for me, if I play this race on its own, I'll probably be playing an exacto with the four over the eight in some way, because I just think you have a case where for me, I think the eight is one of the main four contenders. I'm curious to see what you think about the eight. Uh, And I just kind of see it for me with the main four contenders that the 10 and 14 are going to be way at the back and closing hard and closing heavy late and kind of just hoping to bank on the fact that it's Kentucky Downs making the seven furlongs feel long enough that they can get there. And then it's going to be the 14 or the four and the eight that get the first jump on the speed. And I think those two could be battling it out down the stretch. Ultimately, I guess the reason I have this horse a little bit lower is, uh, you know, obviously primarily only runs at Gulfstream. So I don't know how the switch is going to go for the horse. Uh, however, the horse did one run once at Kentucky Downs and got the wind going a mile, which is certainly something of note. Um, and then I guess the only other slight concern is I just don't know if the horse will repeat the figures coming off of the layoff from March. But if if the eight does, I think Alex, Axum uh, could certainly run a solid race at a great figure or a place. <laughs> no, <laughs> now I choke on myself. Um, I think he has a really big shot. Obviously, Patrick does too. Patrick has this horse on top. He's just very consistent. Last two, we're at five furlongs, but this horse has one at distance before, so the distance at Kentucky Downs doesn't um, doesn't turn me off this horse at all. Obviously, as Charlie pointed out, did break his maiden at Kentucky Downs at three years old in the same meet um, just a little bit earlier in the days, but um, kind of consistent around that mid-80s buyer. Hasn't been able to take that step forward, and that was ultimately why I kind of left him off my ticket. 
was because it almost seems like this horse kind of we've seen this horse's potential. And I understand he's four and he's coming off a layoff where he's working pretty decently over at Palm Meadows. But I just I don't know how much more that we're going to see from him. There is a lot of very nice horses in his running line as well. Up to the mark, Bay Street money. Growth Capital, um, Bay Street Money, again, Balkanoff. There's a lot of very nice horses in the running line. So I think that will lead Axelm to take a little bit more money than maybe what he deserves in this spot. And he's definitely to be respected. But coming off a layoff for Safi bringing him here, it's, it's going to be need to see a good race from him before I'm willing to take a shot. I actually went with a little bit more of a price underneath in the number nine, underdressed who ran a big one at Indiana, two back, just losing to Charlie's favorite horse of all time, me and Mr. C, which I actually watched that horse run um, in person. He got a really nice trip that day and just couldn't get the job done. Shorting up a little bit to seven furlongs, I think, obviously we know it plays, I like to think it plays a little bit longer, but one, the distance isn't an issue. Two, this horse will be forwardly placed. And if no one's going to be running from the back, underdress is going to be one that you're going to need to have. This one's with Leperu, who I think does his best running from the front end. So it just almost seems like this horse could really trip out in a spot like this at a really nice price of 8-1. to one. And if not to win, could hopefully to stay in the money to cash on your underneath exactas and tries. Um, Christopher D'Souza, thanks so much for joining the show, man. I'm not sure I've seen your name before. Thanks so much for joining in. He actually likes the number 15 with the 812 Tri Box, is what he said. Exact as in Tri Boxes. American Mayhem is a horse for Jimmy DeVito uh, coming from Ellis Park. I just think he's better, although he did win a non winners of two allowance race at Ellis Park last year. Um, I think uh, Jimmy DeVito thinks he's better going shorter, and his buyers do indicate that, although he has run well. Um, he has run well at a mile and looks to be forwardly placed, which I like. American Mayhem's definitely interesting. And the number 15 is the other one that got in, which we didn't talk about. Solidify for Bejarano and Juan Cano. Just seems more um, dirt-based. I'm, I'm extremely interested to see why uh, Juan takes him over here. But you can see elaborate, obviously. But the turf routes, this horse, and progeny is one for eight. And I know it's technically considered a turf sprint, but I've at Kentucky Downs going this long, I wouldn't be willing to call it that. Obviously, uh, Tap Time was a horse by Elaborate who won main 30-25 at Fairgrounds. Um, and there's no really other turf running line except for her. So this just comes down to the fact I just don't know how well this horse is going to run on the turf, but does run on synthetic. But her, his best running has been on the dirt. So it'll be interesting to see how he takes to the turf. Now that he cards in for race number eight, I'm going 10, 14, nine, Charlie's going four, 14, 10 guys, switching over to the feature on the card. We're going to go through this one and the next one pretty quick. Charlie's of course we have NFL to get to. It is the one dreamer stakes 500,000 going a mile and 70 yards on the Kentucky Downs turf course, the morning line favorite as I switch over to it right now, it draws a field of nine. The morning line favorite is the number seven for the flag for Jorge Ruiz and James Toner, who I thought was a very interesting morning line favorite. I understand that. Um, I understand that the horse is good on buyers, but I have a few questions on the number seven. It's just, he, I don't have the horse anywhere. Charlie has the as her in third, but you are going with the number four 
Hardy, who is unfortunately scratched in this race. That is the only scratch for race nine. So Charlie's going to have to make some decisions here. I'm going with the number five via Reggio for Irad and Brenda Walsh, who I think has a very, very good shot in this race, which I'll talk about in a little, actually what we'll talk about right now while we wait for Charlie to update his picks since the number four is scratched out. But number five via Reggio, again, Irad Walsh was fourth in the game leaving behind Macadamia, Quattrell, and Queen Goddess. That was a very nice race from her, although she didn't really have the kick. There wasn't a whole lot of speed on that day, which is what I really like about her in this spot. I think Irad's going to have her perfectly piloted into a race where there's a decent amount of speed, where if she gets the pace and the figures ahead of her, I think Via Reggio is extremely interesting and an almost must use in a scenario like this. Going back last year to Kara at a mile and an eighth, um, she was first by two and a quarter in a group three, beating Juncture, who's come to the States and has run very well. There's just many things that are pointing to yes for me for this horse. Looks to step up to this late low 90s again once she gets the pace to run into. I'm very, very interested in via Reggio on top, which I would probably say at a nice price of five to one, hopefully doesn't take too much. I read money, which we see all the time, but I'm hoping that we get close to that five to one and she's able to win at a nice price for all of us. Charlie has just sent in the picks and he is going eight, seven, three Charlie. As I switch over right now, the number eight is sister Luann Safi. Safi is the man today for you. Eh? Yeah, you know, th- this is frustrating. I thought I thought the four, honestly, was going to be the favorite. So when I saw that, uh, you know, Hardy wasn't, I was shocked. I was so excited at that four to one that was probably going to be closer in my eyes, at least. I don't know if this is bold or not. To two to one is the heavy favorite. I thought Hardy was going to dominate this field. And when we get to the best bets later, I'm going to have to be making a lot of audibles at the line of scrimmage, kind of, you know, a little subtle point to the football part of the segment, uh, just because I was all over this four horse. So, you know, if you couldn't tell the common theme, folks, I was all over the number four throughout this entire uh, sequence, I guess. But, uh, oh, great. So the three might not even run either. So we'll have to yep. see if I have to update that. But, uh, yeah, with the eight, you know, what makes it tough, obviously, is just to the inside is for the flag. Both of these horses are going to want to go. But I just think Sister Luann has more speed. And I think Sister Luann is going to get to the front. I think uh, the horse is working absolutely forly with a 35 and four, a minute flat, 47 and four. So the horse is certainly working forly for uh, Safi Joseph Jr. into the spot, picks up Jose uh, Ortiz, which I really like. Uh, you know, was ridden well by Irad and Luis Saez in the past. It seems kind of straightforward. This horse, just get this horse to the lead and you're good. The one thing I really do like about Sister Luann over for the flag is for the flag is kind of taking advantage. You, you know, you can look as we've talked about in the show with the colors uh, has been able to win with the blue figures that you see, obviously meaning it was slow. What I like about Sister Luann is this horse has still managed to hold up. I know the horse didn't quite get the job done, but held up against with the red figures right towards the front. You look back on April 12th at Keeneland. So this horse, I feel like out of the two, if you're like, which one should be able to handle the duel, I would lean towards the eight and I'll take the value. I don't like three to one on the, uh, the seven at all. I agree with you. I had the horse third. I thought that I was going to be bold to have the horse that low based off of the morning lines. But uh, yeah, if you're letting me pick between those two, I'll take the more battle tested sister Luana, uh, Luana six to one. Yeah. I mean, look, Safi definitely could have this horse ready to go. I just don't like, ran very bad at Kentucky Downs last year with Zayas up. Obviously gets Jose Ortiz here, which is interesting. Obviously Edgar's Edgar is running 
the previous race on Safi's horses. So that's very interesting, in my opinion, why he doesn't choose on Sister Luanne here. Obviously, you're getting Jose Ortiz. I'm not saying that's a very good, even couldn't some consider an upgrade, even though I think Edgar is very good at what he does. But Sister Luanne's just going to be part of that pace complexion that I talked about. For the flag, I'm not sure this horse wants the type of distance, especially if she's going to get tested up front. I'm not sure for the flag is going to be that good going a mile and 70 at Kentucky Downs, which plays, which could play more to a mile and eighth. I just don't like for the flag. I think she's going to be close, if not the morning line favorite. And I'm willing to look other places um, on this, in this spot, especially. And Paul points out a very nice, uh, a very nice point that I meant I was supposed to mention. And I forgot at this last race at Delaware, uh, ran with Parnak, who obviously came back to him in the Flower Bowl at Saturday at Saratoga, which obviously is no, um, which could be a very big plus to Via Reggio as well, barring, of course, that she gets the pace to run into. I went number three, the number three. All three of us had the three. Yeah, we all have the three. Obviously, one thing to keep in mind yet, um, she has not been scratched yet. So she could still much, she could still run in a spot like this, but could. Uh, scratches she has cross entered on saturday um which according to um uh robin she's she cross entered the, the ladies marathon third. which there you go charlie said if the three scratches put the five and third she's just very consistent improving on all on all on all ends you see she actually ran at a mile and a half and won at keeneland on the front end i don't think uh she necessarily needs the lead by any means i think sinfeltre is very tactical and could sit off or could sit on we'll the lead to, we'll have to sit off in my but opinion. i think she'll have to sit off as well being on the inside although being on the inside could be um being on the inside she could end up going to the lead flavian pratt obviously is going to be the one piling and we all have faith in or most of us have faith in his hands when it comes to turf racing so yeah Sin will definitely get a good spot most likely just sitting off the pace and we'll get first run on a horse like Via Reggio. Yeah. But I, I think Sinfeltre is very interesting. I just don't know if she's good enough to win us in a spot like this with horses that are coming from the back bearing down on her. But um, let's see in the, let's go to the chat real quick. Um, let's see. Marco Lou likes the number six in this race. Kate's kingdom for William Walden, Jack Gilligan. I mean, this horse has been running a turfway in Woodbine. Just hasn't been able to find the winner so because of late, but the distance shouldn't be any type of issue. You see one at Turfway at a mile of 16th. She just hasn't really hit that top peak of that 92 last year at Woodbine. And you can argue whether she's a, the same horse or not, but second to Idiomatic in the Latonia, which we all know what Idiomatic did coming back. Um, so Kate's Kingdom could definitely be interesting from a little bit more tactical position as well. And the last one... Um, would be Jubilee Bridge for Rob N, the number one for Michael Stidham. This last race could be telling a colonial. She just looks kind of slow on paper, Ron, but if she's able to take a Rob, if she's able to take a little bit step forward, I think Jubilee Bridge could be interesting, although that could be a big ask coming from the rail at Kentucky Downs. And um, Marco Lou says the Flower Bowl was a horrible race to compare. And it, it you can say that, Marco, but beating horses that were in the Flower Bowl, anyone – Anyone in that, we'll just go to Parnak real quick and we'll look at the race. We'll look at, um, we'll look at who was in that race here. So Parnak, obviously McCulloch and Amazing Grace. So to Paul's point, which I completely agree with, 
what would what would McCulloch be in a race like this? What would um what would Amazing Grace be in this spot? Like four to five? Like I don't I think McCulloch would be at least even money in this spot. So being that, I still think Viareggio is extremely interesting. And Parnak definitely needs to be as needs to be a point taken beating horses like that, even though you can always complain about tactics and stuff like that. I think it's still a point to be taken. I'm going five. I still just can't get over Harding, man. I know. I think the horse would have set the perfect trip. I really, I think she's running. That's why I think the three could be interesting. I think the horse is going to sit. I think the three could sit. Oh, if the three's even in the race, could sit the trip, the four. And the reason why I would throw the five and if they're out is I would love to see Irad find a way to get this horse to sit a little closer, just because I think the distance could be a problem. It might be too short, even though it is like a track that runs longer. But if a horse could find a way to sit that stalk and trip off the strong contenders that are all speed, I think that's who could honestly end up winning this race. That's the only thing that worries me about my picks is if the seven and eight just decide, let's just go gas each other out. And then some long shot flies and yep. later the five flies in late. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, it's always pace handicapping, right? That's always what we talk about and preach on this show. Absolutely. Again, I'm going five, three, four. Charlie's going eight, seven, three. Patrick's going eight, three, two guys. This last race is extremely difficult. It really is. It and is it's tough. a mile. Um, it's going a mile on the turf, main special weight, $150,000, draws a full field of 12, four also eligibles, and I believe um, I'm going to look it up right now as it went away for some reason. The only horses that are out of this race are the also eligibles mentioned. And Charlie is going 3-6-10, going with the number three, Judgment uh, with Rosario Pletcher. I'm going with the number one, turns out to be the morning line favorite, Yada Gaffleone. Uh, grand chalk. motion, yeah, chalk, yeah, whatever you say. I picked uh, my, my best bet's gonna be that five to one horse last race, but okay, Charlie, good. what do you like most about Judgment? Yeah, so I mean, I don't have the favorite anywhere, so I'm proud of that, but yeah, for Judgment, honestly, I mean, you see in the in the comments, hopped off or hopped and then off slow, so just had a terrible, terrible start. And the horse is basically dead from the start. I mean, you look to run a 50 figure, which for this field is right around the tops, and to start off that race eight lengths off the lead and basically off the debut, just have no chance and a slow pace. I mean, there was judgment and no hope, and yet somehow still found a way to cut it to just two lengths. I think if this horse gets any sort of clean trip and Joel Rosario just, you know, gets a cleaner trip for this horse for Todd, I think judgment could honestly, in a race that's so wide open and hard to figure out, this was the one horse for me where I was like, you know what, I think judgment could just dominate this field. Now I might be completely wrong. I mean, these are maidens and it's Kentucky Downs. Anything could happen. But I feel like if you look for which horses have excuses, I don't think there's a horse that has more excuses than judgment for that performance. And any sort of better trip next time out, I think judgment could definitely win this race. And I'm surprised this horse isn't the favorite. I think this horse might go off as the favorite i'm i'm kind of in agreement with you i think judgment will most likely go off as the favorite which is who i expected to be the morning line favorite but real quick guys from the boss himself we have 30 likes we have more people watching that um we're watching that here right now please go below the video player hit subscribe and like we would greatly greatly appreciate it. but charlie i'll tell you this race is just a mess obviously judgment got off horribly in that race still closed up very well in a 50 50 flat half mile, but again, it's a Monmouth. Pletcher doesn't normally go to Monmouth whatsoever, so the fact that he sent judgment over there is almost telling that, especially for a two-year-old um, for Pletcher, that you know she might not be in his top crop, but maybe worked worked uh, her way in there with that last performance. Judgment is extremely interesting, as I also have her 
in second. I went with the morning line favorite, number one, Yada in first. That last race was just really, really weirdly run race at Colonial. She was kind of inside and just couldn't really get out, got shuffled. And she made a little bit of a run, but uh, really it wasn't too much. I think just kind of hope – I know she's on the rail again, but a lot um, longer run to that first turn. I think obviously Colonial is a two-turn race. I think Yada will definitely benefit going one turn. Hopefully can work out a better trip. Gets Gaffleyon aboard. Grand Motion's no stranger to winning at Kentucky Downs. So Yada, I think, is extremely interesting third time out and hopefully can repair uh, what she did last time out with more of a um, a better trip and better performance. I think Yada is extremely interesting on top and especially underneath. Charlie, you don't have her anywhere, but you're going with the number six, Clear Copper, in second and go ahead and finish out your picks and we'll move on to our best bets for football. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested because Patrick got this horse on top. And to be honest, since you're part of the copper missile fan club, I know they have no correlation, but I figured with the horse of the name copper, you might just out of sympathy, throw the horse somewhere in there out of respect. But uh, yeah, you know, obviously the last figure wasn't pretty, but for me, you know, it's Asmussen. He's a very well-respected trainer. Uh, the, the, the two races before that one were definitely strong enough figure wise to win uh, in this field, I know the horse might not have loved a mile, but I also think what made it tough was just ran into a very, very hot pace. Uh, the horse, though, is working very well. And honestly, the angle for me is just that I think the other contenders in this race are not fast horses. All the other contenders for me are probably going to be mid-packer at the back. So I think, again, in these wide-open races we've talked about where, you know, there is no consistent dominant horse, I think this is certainly a spot where the six might just get away. Yeah, that, definitely. That well, no, could be. And Copper Bullet, the funny thing is, is that um, the, the, coppers, the Copper Bullets really haven't run on turf at all. And Charlie, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. The only horse that has done well on turf out of Copper Bullet happens to be a horse that uh, people on this podcast own a pretty that's decent why I That's why of. I can't believe you didn't put the horse anywhere. And it's the only one that Copper Bullets had that's run really well. And obviously, Tail, relate, like, a unique ride has good turf running. But Copper Bull, Copper Missile, of course, uh, Copper Missile fan club here. But really, it's the only one that's run well on turf. And there's really no turf breeding at all. I mean, she has she is one for two um, yeah, siblings. Defensive. But that one, that one was a main 16 at Parks going a mile. Yeah. So there's it's just very weird to me. That this horse is being placed on the turf. I'm assuming um, one Asmussen sees something, and two for a decent amount of money for Winchell if she even hits the board in this type of race. Uh, Clear Copper is interesting, but wouldn't necessarily be my top pick. Would have to see her run well on the turf for me, especially at a lower price of nine to two, five to one. Charlie, the last horse we'll talk about is Joke Master. Real, just real quick, uh, yeah. what were your top uh, opinions on this horse? Yeah, so honestly, you got Jose Ortiz, you got uh, Michael Maker. It's just a great connection. The horse has only run twice and ran very solid figures in both. I think any sort of repeat of that or step forward is certainly competitive or maybe win this race. Uh, you know, again, another one that will probably be towards the front and could sit a nice tripping or get away. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you're getting 12 to 1 on this horse. When you see uh, an Ortiz brother with Michael Maker, no way. But if you do, love the value for this horse to, you know, hit the board or do something. Yeah, could definitely come up based on that last and just getting a lot, a little bit extra distance. Spitestown in practical jokes usually run better sprinting, but Spitestown mare could be definitely better going longer. I'm going one three five. Charlie's going three six ten. Patrick actually has clearly copper on top, going six one so five. And real quick, 
Um, Patrick's best bets on the day on the day are a race six double four four, and and his best bet is the race number ten, the win on clearly coppers. So oh, wait, 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 but in race six the four is out. Right? The four is out. Okay, oh, wait, no, 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 the four is no, in. Sorry, right? that's the one where everybody but the four scratched. I apologize. Yeah, it's, race, it, I, I race yeah. six. He's good. And, he's good. He's good. Yep, yeah, he is good. So you're you're screwing me up, man. You can't be doing that. <laughs> four four in a race on clear on a win on clearly copper. Charlie, real quick, talk about your best bets on the day. Oh, wait. Um, your, I was saying, was, no, I think those no. are yours with my name. I, was, I, didn't, I don't I, think so. I That's just um, – but go ahead talk about your best bets real quick while I get All on. right, so we're just going to kind of audible them because one of them scratched. So, for me, it's race four. Uh, I have the 10 winning, which uh, I didn't really cover because we didn't cover that race. So, I'll just talk real quickly on that. Uh, so, for race four, the uh, 10, I believe, picks up Tyler Gaffleone. Uh, Baba Voss ran a, freaked out and ran a 90 figure last time out, closed in a hot base and came back to win has been working forwardly, you know, as we've talked about in the chat, Walsh and Gaffleon, when they work together, they normally do well. So I like that horse at a, you know, a, a reasonable seven to two. Don't know if you'll get it. Uh, then after that, what I'm going to audible is I'm going to do a double of race six into seven with Patrick. I'm going to match that four, four double since I can no longer do my bet. I was originally going to do because of the scratches uh, because the nine is uh, and race nine, the four is out. So that's going to be my other best bet is a double. Uh, the same one Patrick has race six and the four. Uh, so those are my two best bets for Sounds good, man. Good luck with yours. My best bets. I'm going with the win on the number seven on the win on race seven. I'm going with the win on number four, Lady. So we all got the horse. Yeah, we do. And if I were to play a double, I'd play four with nine ten into the next race and race number nine. I talked about it at length on the show. A win on the number five via Reggio. I'm hoping that she gets the pace that she needs to run into and could run. A big, a big number being, you know, low 90s, mid 90s, which would definitely be good enough to win that race. But everyone out there, good luck at Kentucky Downs. And tomorrow, I want to give a quick shout out to um, someone, some Howard put in the chat. But of course, I also would uh, like to shout it out tomorrow. Last race at Colonial, the number three shards is um, where Pete, Paul, uh, myself, and of course, Howard have uh, a few shares of this one as well. Three to one morning line. Good luck to all the boys with crowns way and good luck to shards. They think he's sitting on a big one. So hopefully shards can get out of the gate and run really well for us tomorrow. Again, last race at colonial on Thursday, but guys, again, thank you guys all so much for joining the show uh, for the horse racing portion. I'm going to go into a little bit of college football and some NFL. So please don't go anywhere. If you guys are interested we are going to talk about the marquee matchups on Sunday for NFL week one. And we're going to talk about the marquee matchup on Saturday. The only good one, realistically, <laughs> in college football. Um, it is Alabama, Texas, which, you know, could not even made, might not even be a good game, but um, we'll see. But again, thank you guys so much, everybody, for joining the show. But Charlie, we're going to pivot real quick and we're going to bring up uh, Texas Longhorns, obviously Alabama Crimson Tide. They're in Tuscaloosa, 6 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, the spread is pretty favored to Alabama here. I believe they're favored by a touchdown. Yeah, they are. They're minus seven yeah. over under 53 and a half. Charlie, of course, you are the football guru, so I'm going to, of course, let you go first. Yeah, so, you know, this is why I will say to everybody, it is so important to watch the games happen the week before and take that time because I'll be honest. I remember telling a bunch of my friends, cause you know, Quinn Ewers was supposed to be at Ohio state. I really hyped him up. And I said before, you know, we're going to see the games or spreads or anything. I was like, Alabama doesn't know who their quarterback is. Texas is going to win that game outright in Alabama. I was bold. And then I watched week one happen. And now I think Alabama is going to destroy Texas. I'm taking Alabama minus seven. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Now, both teams defensively look solid. Granted, they played nobody. Alabama played Middle Tennessee State, who's really only known for beating Michigan State and Minnesota in college basketball. They're not known for anything in football, so that doesn't really help. However, Alabama's defense looked dominant, like I mentioned. Uh, their quarterback played solid. You know, we didn't really know for a while who was going to be named the quarterback, uh, but ultimately they ended up going with, uh, I believe, Jalen Milrow. Yeah, Jalen Milrow, Milrow yeah. that's his name. He, he played a very solid game. I just think this Alabama defense is going to make it a long He played a solid, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> right, but for, for as long game. as it lasted with the 194 yards and three touchdowns, they looked all the – all the bit of a legit team and Texas looked terrible. I mean, I'll be honest. They, they did not look good. I have some friends that go to Texas. We were talking about it. They did not play good against an awful rice team. I mean, the defense did all right. They, they stopped JT Daniels who shot out the guy that's played at every college, you know, in, in American, I believe he's played for 75 different schools. Uh, they could not get the run game going at all. Their leading rusher only had 55 yards against a bad rice team. Quinn Ewers had an okay game, I guess. But, uh, yeah, going into Alabama, I think Texas was hoping they were going to romp Rice and gain confidence. Instead, they struggled and, uh, you know, needed to kind of put them away late with a dominant third quarter after only being up 16-3 to at the half. So, uh, I think Alabama was going to kill them. Yeah, it, it, that's, what I, that's what I mentioned at the start was, you know, it might not even be a good game. Of course, it's a 3-11 marquee matchup. Um right. And prime time on ESPN. but Two huge programs with crazy fan bases. Yeah, but – Sadly, I, I just don't know how much of a game this really can be. Te- Texas looks shaky at best. Um, obviously, Agreed. Rice is not a bad team, but they're not up to snuff with these types of programs. For So the fact that Texas had to struggle pretty hard with Rice now comes into Tuscaloosa to play uh, Alabama. It's going to be a rough, uh, a rough time, I think. For it's a them. former Saban assistant. Those the, don't usually. The do minus so seven well. looks a little juicy. The over fifty three and a half. Alabama's defense looked good, but of course, I mean they're not. They can look good against anybody, not of right. a big program. But fifty three and a half could look pretty juicy in this game for me. But um, I'm probably going to end up part, um, taking that minus seven. I don't know how you feel about it, Charlie. It almost it almost, seeing it so like low. I get it's three eleven again, but seeing that only by a touchdown almost feels like a sucker to me. I don't know. For me, I see it the other way around. I see a lot of delusional Texas fans and a lot of well, people believe yeah, in Quinn which true. I get. I actually, the reason I'm staying away from the total is I actually think the butt they're trying to sucker you with is over under 53. I mean, we're talking about a Texas team, who, even though they look terrible, still put up 37. An Alabama team that stopped trying after the first play of the game and was in and put up 56. So I feel like to me, this is an over under that should have been in the high 50s, maybe even around 60. So I feel like they're practically begging you to take this over. So yeah. for me, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to play this game. If I do, I would be taking Alabama with the points, just you know, playing it simple, not taking a risk. I'm trying to look right now because I know it's something I did in the past is uh, checking if there's anything with the percentage of bets and what's moved with the spread. I mean, Bama moved a half a point in their favor and have 60% of bets, so that's you know average. I want to check with the over-under. See, yeah, like this, uh, see, like this is something that's interesting to me is that actually um, – the it looks right now at least that I mean this is early folks keep in mind it's only Thursday but the sharp money is on the under yeah the sharp money is on the under and people are betting the over so for me like I said the obvious pick I for me the sucker pick looks to take the over and I get it but uh for me I would just take Alabama minus seven I think they're begging you to take the over I mean look the smart you know Charlie's looking at those websites he has a really good hold on the betting markets for these type of games Alabama minus seven looks really juicy in a game like this I think like you said, they're trying to get people to take that over under, but minus seven against a Texas team that looks shaky 
at best against Rice is definitely where I'd be looking in a game like this. But moving on to NFL opening weekend here, Charlie, and talk about the three games that we're going to talk about here are scrolling across the bottom. It is um, Miami, uh, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, we got to talk about Bears Packers, and we're talking about Cowboys Giants, which unfortunately the Giants guy ain't even here. I know. So, hope, uh, I mean, he said maybe he'd get on by the end of the show, but that's why I was excited that it went long. I was like, you know, maybe we'll get him in for. That's his game. That, honestly that was my kind of hope was going to hope uh, be to get him on here, but we'll see if he gets on. We'll talk about that game last, but I think the most interesting game of the day is actually Miami, Los Angeles, Agreed. and the you know you get these predictors on the ESPN, which actually our favorite in the the Chargers camp for this game. 55% are going with the Chargers. This is at 325 on Sunday. And, I mean, there's this is just a very good game with a lot of different ways you can go. L.A. is minus three, Charlie. Yeah, for me, this is the game of the week. I mean, you have the the battle of which franchise got it right with the franchise quarterback, right? You have Tua Tagovailoa versus Justin Herbert picked right apart, I believe, a pick apart from each other. Uh, you know, two teams with high expectations. The Chargers looked very solid last year, and finally, despite injuries, looked like they put it together, were dominating the Jags on the road and then had a massive playoff collapse. And then you have the Dolphins, who with all their injuries didn't really have a chance against the Bills, but, you know, are coming back strong. They make their their, their big moves. Uh, in free agency and this team, you know, there were even talks originally at some point about Dalvin Cook. So, you know, this seems like a team that obviously has big expectations. A lot of people putting pressure on their coach. I think these are two teams and coaches that kind of understand, like, look, we have to make the playoffs this year. And yeah. both of these teams think they could see each other again. This is definitely a statement game. This is one of the few games in week one where you're like, this could kind of shut, set the tone for which team is, uh, you know, real playoff aspirations. And I know it's early. I will say the fact that the Chargers are at home and normally get made fun of for not having a good fan base means maybe this isn't really a home game. We'll see. I'm going with the Chargers. Look, the reality is Tua – Struggles to stay consistent, struggles to stay healthy. I trust Justin Herbert. He's healthy. He struggles to keep his brain inside his head. Struggles to not have his O-line get him killed every game. I think the reality is the Chargers have horrible injury concerns. I think them and my Saints are the two teams that after one snap is taken, their entire teams break into two. But since a snap hasn't happened yet, the Chargers haven't broken into two yet. I think Brandon Staley is going to you know, understand that this is a big year where if he doesn't perform, they're done. Justin Herbert was injured for a ton of last year, which people didn't – you know, a lot of people – kind of just ignored so I think now that he's healthy they'll be good I like the different moves they made in the offseason I like the draft picks they made with Quentin Johnson just bolstering up that receiving team bringing back Eckler who you know after the contract issues is still playing they got their O-line healthy again the defense is healthy for now and their secondary and D-line obviously look very strong I just think the Chargers are the more well-rounded team and I think the Dolphins kind of looked like they were going to be good last year when they weren't supposed to be and now they have a lot of pressure whereas the Chargers I think are the more proven team I almost feel like it's the same in that regard for both teams. Like they, both of these teams have a lot of pressure on them to perform. Because I mean, 100%. you know, Her, like you said, Herbert didn't play a whole lot last year, but being that he's back now, they really expect him to be something special this year for the Chargers. And if they don't perform this year, I mean, realistically, you said it. This is that. This is the put up or shut up year for both of these teams. And 100%. I was actually leaning the other way. I was actually leaning okay. Dolphins with three. Um, I'm. I usually am a guy. I, I know you people can make fun of me all they want. I usually buy the half point because no, I do field goal. I I love to buy the half point. Um, I just think I know the Chargers are at home, but I don't have a problem with Tua and company walking in there. Tyreek Hill, I guess uh, the 
the gritty man himself, Mike Gusecki. I don't I I really like Miami in a game like this where they the Chargers are don't really have the best secondary in the league where you can get a guy like Tyreek Hill to kind of exploit that a little bit, get a few big plays in there to put the Chargers in a tough spot early. But I mean, minus three is definitely a spread where you have to have to take like it's, there's no wishy washing in this game. This just almost feels like either you feel really strongly about this game or you try to play or you try to take a stand somewhere else. But um, this is going to be a very good game. Nonetheless, I, I do have an interesting stat. I do have an interesting stat. Real yep. quick. Again, guys, keep in mind, it is only Wednesday. So I will say to take it with a grain of salt. But one thing that I think is very interesting is the Chargers opened at minus two and a half. They have 33% of bets and have moved to minus three. So I just think that has to be something. Oh, that is substantial yeah. to have the fact that a third of the public has taken the Chargers and yet they've moved to half point in favor. That means massive, massive, massive. Again, it's only Wednesday, but the initial early massive bets, all of them are on the Chargers right now. And again, I mean, look, this is going to be a great game. It's week one. It's obviously going to be unpredictable. I think these are two teams that we could see revisiting, competing in the AFC, which is as stacked as ever, yeah. by the way. The AFC is loaded. Uh, but I'm ultimately, I'm just going to stick with the Chargers. I think they're the more consistent, reliable team. I mean, the Chargers have been expected to be good for the past few years and just yeah. haven't been able to get the job done. Whereas the Dolphins, again, kind of just burst onto the scene last year. And I feel like whenever you have a team like that, you do have to be a little cautious because, you know, you have to know, was that one year where they went from being awful every year to a borderline playoff or to a playoff team? Like, was that a legit year or was that yeah. a one-year wonder? And, you know, a lot of people said that about the Bengals with Joe Burrow and then they went to the Super Bowl. So you never know. Sometimes it goes both ways. You have to wait and see. But Yeah, which, uh, you know, I would say two has necessarily sprouted into a Joe Burrow type talent by no, any no. means, although he is probably he is seeing three people a lot of times. So <laughs> hopefully that old line is finally back and healthy, which it should be. Um, the injury report obviously there's one, there's two guys, Robert Jones, guards and IR still, and then Taron Armstead, who's questionable for oh, this sense. game. Yeah, but there are really um, and obviously the Churchill uh the Chargers. Wow, like, that's like three yeah, horse racing talk coming back. Sorry, the Chargers injury report is pretty clean for today uh, for Sunday's game. But well, yeah, for especially for the Chargers. But good luck, however you play in that game. The next game, we're gonna go through these two pretty quick, um, being that yeah. they're not necessarily the marquee matchups. But we got to talk about Bears Packers. Yeah, for the host. in Chicago, of course, for the boys back home. Um, this is the year where. Justin Fields really needs to step up and take part of this team. The I think he will as well, but the NFC North is with the Packers losing Aaron Rodgers and going down that road. Obviously the, the lions have bolstered up a little bit. The Vikings are the, (laughs) what was the comment? The, the worst one, uh, the worst. uh, Yeah. Yes. The worst double-digit win team in NFL history, yeah, I think. Yeah, the worst. Double, yeah, and I was right, folks. I just want to point out they got they got beat up on by the Giants, and now they come back as the frauds that they are. Uh, you know, the predictor shows this game is going to be close. You know what? Maybe it will, but to me. I need to wait and see what Jordan Love. I believe in Justin Fields with the team they have around him now. You know, obviously with uh, Tevin Jenkins hurt, they're going to have to make some adjustments with the O-line, but I think they'll make it work. Uh, I'm taking the Bears minus one and a half. I don't care if anybody says it's biased. You know, they gave the Packers a tough fight when they when they were supposed to be bad, when they had Aaron Rodgers. I think the Bears could mess around and win this game by 50. Uh, I don't believe in this Packers team. I think 
that, you know, a lot of people are trying to be like, oh, you know, it's the legacy. It's the Packers. They'll figure it out. They own the Bears. But that was when it was Rodgers. Rodgers is gone. Devontae Adams yep. is gone. The main people that you think of when you think Packers, uh, the Smith guy is gone. I don't buy it. I think the Bears are going to come in and smoke them. I mean, realistically, because it is the NFL, that that would be... they'll probably end up being relatively close. But I just don't see a way in which the Bears don't get this job. That would done. be think, effing blissful, by the way. I think I think they're ready to make their big statement. I think that they understand they put the chips all in. They traded away the pick because they believe Fields is their guy, which he is. By the way, I, I, I boldly stated that Justin Fields would be a top five QB within the first five years of his career. And I said that the only way he wouldn't be is if the Bears mess him up. And I said, I think he could win an MVP within his first five years. Now, I will say the market has been interesting. Right now, it's 50-50 and the uh, spread has moved a, a half a point away from the Bears. So, you know, the, the early stuff is indicating slightly towards the, uh, the betters being towards the, um, the Packers. But what is interesting to me is that despite the over-under uh, being 50-50, the over-under total has moved down two points. So that is of note. That is the me one too, thing, yeah. folks, because I know we're going to mainly be biased and just talk about how the Bears are going to kill them. But if you are looking for the one sharp angle that's unbiased, folks, because the total has no, nothing to do with who we think is going to win. But do note that the spread has the total has moved down two points despite the fact that the public is on the over. So certainly that's where the big money shift has been in this game. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's you know, 44 and a half is already a pretty low total. Yeah. And getting down now two more points to 42 and a half, obviously with two pretty untested offenses, obviously Jordan Love being in now the pilot of the Green Bay Packers and the right. Bears offense going one in 16 last year. So there's a lot of different, well, let's tell you what, for the Bears, there's only one way, and that's up. If we go down, it's, it's just over. <laughs> like, there's nothing. If we go oh, down from don't, one Don't 16, say that, because the Browns over. said that. Remember, the Browns said oh, that. Oh, whatever, you, dude. If we're promised the, if we're, they won one game, and they won, or, well, yeah, they promised they won one, and they won none, so. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, they were right, no? But yeah, they, they, they uh, let's just hope they're not right um, about the Bears like that. But um, it's very interesting. One and a half, I – I mean, obviously, I'm not going to bet on this. I, don't, I never bet with my heart. My heart obviously leans oh, to the Bears be way more than the Packers does. Well. But I sure hope that the Bears just walk into Soldier Field, get amped, smoke them 27 to like 6, 27 to 10, be blissful. I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, obviously, as the spread indicates. But the over-under is definitely where my money would be in this game. And... I, I just don't know which way I'd go. This is my wishy-washy game. I kind of don't have a good opinion anywhere else. I'm taking but the Bears minus one and a half. Bears, I'll, I'll Charlie's I'll, Bears I'll, one, I'll minus one. Hey, I love it, man. Don't um, – I love it completely. But Howard says he'd take the over in a heartbeat. The other team's defense is that good and both will score. Wide receiver core and tight end is a bit underrated. 27-24 Green Bay. Ew, God. Da Bears. That's why I'm with Rob. Da Bears. Not even yeah, you got to think like they're like the host from that show when they'd say the Bears are win 200-2 or something. That's yeah, well, what, like Adam Rank when he says like the yeah. Bears are going to win 15 Oh, that was bad, or something man. Like he, that. He's, yeah, he, he was like the Bears are going to like 13-4. and four. Come yeah. on now. Like I have faith I, in the Bears. Hey, I'd I love that. Really could be, I think the Bears could surprise and be like, you know, an 8-9, 9-18. I think that would be unbelievable yeah. from one win. But 13-4, and four, like come on now. And now the final game that we're going to cover real quick is America's team, Charlie. America's team going in to MetLife Stadium the against the Giants. Again, hope and again, they're fa- uh, Dallas is favored by three and a half over under 46 and in a half. In New York as well. In New York, and they're favored by that much against a, a Giants team that looked at really, I mean, pretty good last year. Now, you know, with a lot more pressure on them to do well this year. Um, Dallas minus three and a half. The matchup predictors is 55% to the Cowboys on ESPN. 
and the um the injury report is pretty clean for both teams so charlie you're up man what do you where's where are you leaning in this type of stuff yeah, so I was hoping because this is the one that I feel the most wishy-washy about that there was going to be a stat I could talk about and sell at the market, but maybe because it's just because it's Sunday night football or maybe because it's two delusional fan bases both hammering either side, but there hasn't really been anything from the spread or over-under out of the three games. This is the only one where there's nothing really sharp-wise yet that's given me any indicators. Uh, and I will get to my team, Richard. It's complicated. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll explain myself, and it's going to go rough. It's teams, and I'll take all the heat because I'm more loyal to my teams than anyone. I watch all of them. I know the whole rosters. Anyway, back to the game. I'm going to take the Giants. You know, I don't even have to worry about buying the point. I'm going to take the plus three and a half. Will they win? Who knows? But I think they can keep it within the field goal. I think the Cowboys are always hyped up. I think they're in big turmoil. I think they're panicking. I think the, a big reason they traded for Trey Lance is because they don't know if Dak's the guy, and this is his prove a year. They don't know if Mike McCarthy's the guy. I think they have a ton of questions. I think this Giants team is going to come in confident off of all their mediocrity to finally have a decent year. I think they're going to come in confident, not cocky, and kind of be like, look, we we finally started the build towards something. Let's keep building on it. And I don't really know how the Cowboys are going to do under the bright lights with that big spotlight and all that pressure. Uh, so I'm going to take my chance with the with the Giants to cover. That's where I'm going to lean. What about you? I mean, look, plus three and a half is very enticing for a Giants team that looked very good last year and really has only bolstered up this past year. The Cowboys obviously have a lot of questions, and we all love to hit on the Cowboys. Everyone that's not a Cowboys fan loves to hit on the Cowboys. But um, it's just a, it's really just a prove-it year for the Cowboys. For Dak, for Mike McCarthy, as you said, is everything. It's just it, it needs to be a prove-it year. And obviously they went after Trey Lance because maybe to like just light a fire under Dak's ass or something like that. Cause they need him to stop. They need him to stop throwing picks is what they need him to stop doing, yeah. but they just need a leader out there. It almost just seems like the Cowboys sometimes, I mean, they have a very good receiving core between Amari Cooper and CD lamb. They have, um, they have a really good attacking running back. Now, obviously they got rid of Zeke, but they still have Tony Pollard. It's, you know, the offense is there. The defense has always been a little shaky for the Cowboys, but they have the weapons to be good there. It's just a matter of um, it's just a matter of can they finally find that fire to take the division that should have been rightfully theirs for the past, you know, five years, except last year. Obviously, the Eagles have really, really bolstered up and they were the best team in the NFC last year. But before that, I mean, it was, you know, all the talk of the, the Cowboys finally be good. And it just really just doesn't it, – it never seems to happen. So I don't disagree with you, Richard. I don't think they sucked last year by any means. Yeah, they they, 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 blow they up the most definitely outweighed expectations. Let's say that. Yeah. Hey, they beat the most overrated double-digit win team ever on the road in the they playoffs. Did. So, you know what, they, they did their thing. Uh, and then if we do have time, I do want to yep, hit for go like ahead, right off your best bets real quick. All right, so my real quick best bet, starting with NFL. This one, I know it's biased. I don't care. You can see the flag, folks, in the background, the Saints. The Saints play a Titans team. I'm going to tell you why they're going to crush them. They don't have a quarterback, and the reality is they're a run-heavy team. The Saints defense takes pride in their run defense. Every year, they're one of the top run defenses in the league. They just can't stop the pass because they get P.I., but I don't worry about Ryan Tannehill or or, uh, Levis or – who who knows who they're coursing? They have 15, they have like 10 mediocre quarterbacks who can't play the game on their side. The Saints finally have a good quarterback. They're healthy for the time being. I think they're going to go in at home. They have a good roster. Michael Thomas is healthy for now. I know they don't have Kamara, but they have Kendra Miller, who's a solid rookie that they drafted from TCU. And they have Jamal Williams, obviously, who's coming off of a career best year. I think the Saints might win that game by 15. I'm not being biased. Flag is not to do it. I truly think they're a matchup nightmare for the Titans. I will take that minus three any day of the week. I might even take an adjusted spread. I truly okay. believe they will crush that team. 
Uh, now for college football, I wish Patrick could have heard this because he would have been stunned to hear me say this. I like Notre Dame minus seven and a half against NC State on the road. Sam Hartman is him. I think he's an underrated Heisman candidate. That defense looks incredible as always, but the offense finally looks legit this year. I think this is Notre Dame's best chance to get to the college football playoff and not make an embarrassment of themselves. They play an NC State team on the road who struggled against UConn as one of the worst teams Come ever. On. Yeah, but then they came back and won again. And regards, they're playing an NC State team that struggled against UConn, who everybody knows is garbage at football. I think they'll kill them. Next, I'm taking the most beg square begging me to take a bet, but I don't care. I'll take it. Colorado at home, minus three against Nebraska. I know it's the most obvious pick in the world, and they should be minus seven, but Nebraska always loses close games. So even if this game's close, they're going to lose. That Nebraska team is garbage. I actually did take them to cover against Minnesota, but that's just because at plus seven and a half, I thought that'd be a one-possession game, two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Colorado beat up on a TCU team that had the hangover from the championship. I know that TCU team isn't as legit as the number indicated, but hey, on the road, that TCU team is still worlds better than Nebraska, who's garbage. So I think they'll cover. And then how about Tulane plus seven and a half at home against Ole who's won like 70 to seven or something, but they played Mercer who I didn't even know had a football team. All I know about Mercer is they, the white guy who did the cool dance moves when they upset Duke and March Madness. They're not a football school. So Tulane looked great against South Alabama, who is projected to win their conference. This is a great Tulane team. I thought they'd have their hangover from a big year, but they looked very legit. They're plus seven and a half in Ole Miss. And I'll tell you what, they're my underdog of the week. I think they might beat them outright. Plus seven and a half and sprinkle on the money line. Those are the best bets. Folks. I'm about to create graphics for Charlie's underdog of the week. That's pretty good. <laughs> But, hey, I love it, Charlie. And um, Jim Pilars is coming after your ass now. He goes, Nebraska runs the ball down Colorado's throat and wins outright. With what quarterback? Because they have 17 picks. They don't, have, they, they don't have the quarterback to run the ball. They don't have to have a quarterback to run the ball. They could just run Wildcat out there. They, they, could, they could play Navy. Indiana when they tried that. When, when the Indiana did that against Ohio State with their triple option through like four passes, they made our defense look good. And yeah, look, I mean, look, maybe Nebraska surprises me, but the reality is they're garbage. They all, they're a poverty program. I wish they weren't in the Big Ten, and Colorado's going to beat them senseless. That's what's going to happen, folks. I'm just telling you, Dion's going to come on. He's going to go play my theme music. They're going to be vibing. They're going to go with that pregame speech and destroy Dude, it. If Dion also, does Rob, that. that's a shout. I like Rob saying that. I, I love Utah against Florida. I have them against Florida, but I think – a hundred percent that everyone and their mother is going to put a million dollars on Utah to kill Baylor since they just lost at home to, or to, I think at home to Texas state or something, which was a major upset. I think anybody is going to assume that Utah beat them by a hundred. So the fact that they're plus eight, I agree. I think everybody's going to hammer Baylor. That was one that I thought about putting on. So I like that. We do have sharp viewers, not just for horse racing, but for uh, football too. Love to see that Rob. Thank Absolutely. You. And a lot of people stayed on through the uh, football. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, the viewership held up. I love that. Absolutely. Maybe guys. it's just because I'm so explosive. Uh, and yeah, that's it. It's always you, Charlie. It's never, never anybody else. It's always. No, you. I think someone's just hoping for me to have a bust of gasket and then be able to clip it and then make fun of me in case I'm wrong. <laughs> don't is, clip what I say. This is great, dude. I'm, I'll end with it's one true. more thing, oh, dude. Oh. Is Jim Pilar saying how he loves how Charlie can change his opinion mid-sentence without changing conviction? That's the best thing I've ever heard because that's exactly correct. He says one thing and like if someone like he's like. You know, he obviously still agrees with what he said originally, but then he's like, you know, that wouldn't be that bad, but he always seems like he always sounds extremely confident no matter what he does. So, Jim, that's a great one. For the last comment that for Jim will, as he said, he won't be here in evenings for a while. He'll watch, obviously, uh, later. Appreciate but, uh, Jim, that's a good one to end off, my friend, for all the teasing and stuff. That's a great one to end off on. But, guys, again, thank you guys so much for joining in. And staying on with us through the first week of the NFL, college football, and everything else. Good luck at Kentucky Downs. Good luck this Saturday with college football. And, of course, good luck at week one and the NFL 
on Thursday, Sunday, and of course, Monday Night Football. Take care, everybody, and crush your bets.